I'm Game Developer EIC Danielle Riendo, and welcome to this episode of the Game Developer Podcast, recorded at GDC Showcase earlier in the summer. On this episode, Game Developer Publisher Alyssa McAlone and I interviewed Rod Humble and King Choi of Paradox Tectonic about their upcoming early access life sim, Life by You. Life by You is a wildly ambitious project, and we heard great insights from Humble and Choi about work structure and the need to love the genre you're in when you're breaking so much new ground, and also about the importance of inclusivity and the lessons they've learned about early access game dev. This episode was produced by Jordan Mallory with music by Mike Meehan. Game Developer and GDC are sibling organizations under Informatech. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to today's, our third live recording of the Game Developer Podcast during GDC Showcase. Uh, I am once again Alyssa McAloon joining you from GameDeveloper.com where I am the publisher and I'm one half of your hosting party today alongside GameDeveloper.com's editor-in-chief, Daniel Rando. Rando, we were talking about last name pronunciation yeah. and I just completely <laughs> forgot everything, so. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, it's sometimes I tell people Rando is for like Nintendo video games. I don't know. Sometimes it helps. I'm so excited to be here, and I it is my great honor to introduce our guests today. We have Rod Humble and King Choi from Paradox Tectonic. Thank you both so much for being here. Uh, would you like to say hello? Just uh, say you know a little bit about uh, what uh, what you're doing with us today. Please, I, I, thank you so much for having us on. Um, my name is Rod Humble. I'm GM of Paradox Tectonic, and um, we're working on um, a life simulator that is going in early access in September called Life by You, and we're really excited by it. And um, I I think that we uh, we've done some things of it which may be interest of interest to game development colleagues. So we're we're happy to chat about it. Awesome. And great. And hi, everybody. My name is King Choi, and I'm the studio director of marketing at Paradox Tectonic, also working on Life by You. Um, and Rod just did an amazing job promoting the game, so I don't know why I'm here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure we get rolls down. Rod, you are the general manager, correct? Yes. And then a marketing director for King? Yeah, studio director of marketing. Yeah, okay. director of marketing, Perfect. yeah. I have very in-depth notes, I swear, uh, just not on full title name. So yeah, appreciate you guys joining us. Real And real quick, I want to toss to the audience today because we're so glad you're here with us as well. Um, we do have a chat running there with a Q&A box. Um, we will try to take some audience questions as they fit into the conversation. So feel free to toss those in there and try to keep them towards game development, everything you want to know about a really cool and immersive and just deep sandbox game that's in development. It just blows my mind every time I see anything about it. Um, so I guess jumping in... Um, you kind of gave a high-level description of Life by You, but it is a sandbox life simulator with some really ambitious uh, systemic depth. Can you kind of like tell everybody listening a little bit about the game and kind of like what um, sets it apart in those really deep feature ways? Certainly. Um, so uh, first of all, we're we're an open world life simulator, so there are no rabbit holes and no loading screens as you go in and out of buildings or you uh, travel around the world. So each agent is um, simulated all the time. Um, you can also, uh, and this is where, where game development colleagues' heads will start to spin. Um, so you can also control each agent anytime you like. So you don't just control your household. You can also right-click on anybody you see, and all of a sudden you can play them and their life. You also, we support um, several control mechanisms, including traditional click-to-move, 
plus direct control, so you can play it like an action RPG using a controller or keyboard and mouse. Plus, you can uh, uh, every building that you see in the world and every building in the world is made using our build tool. So we oh, hope wow. the builders will really enjoy um, uh, uh, building. Plus, all of the gameplay, including all of the skills, all of the traits, all of the needs, are all built using the in-game tools that we ship with the game. So you get everything that we got. Um, and as a as the game design team, we use these tools every single day. And it comes in with a built-in visual scripting language, a built-in conversation editor. Actually, we've got over 40 editors um, for items, shops, objects, uh, um, behaviors, thoughts, um, uh, uh, traits. Um, and yeah, uh, conversations are, we do conversations several ways as well. Plus we support um, uh, multi-heights as well. So you can have a family, you know, my wife and I, for example, are very different heights and mm. we wanted that to be important. So all of our agents are of variable heights, which sounds easy but isn't because obviously we're a life sim so no prop can be faked so everybody has to be able to sit in the chairs and eat even though there are variable heights plus you can change all of that on the fly so you can retint any object you like you can build your home on the fly you can move anything around in the world you can even pick up agents and move them around the world while the game is running in a, a live edit mode and you can save it out Obviously, and the 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 last thing is is the whole game is not only designed to be a fully feature life sim where we leave early access, but also it, it it's a creative tool kit and a creative uh, sandbox game where we encourage uh, players to make their own mods and share them with their friends, um, mm -hmm. and um, also our players own all of their creations, so they don't need our permission to go anywhere and we specifically have made sure that all of our branding is streamer friendly so if you're running a oh, youtube wow. channel and let's say you're running a romantic comedy every week you never have to worry about us like we're not going to come like, yeah. say oh you're doing content we don't like it's yours you can go monetize it any way you want um mm -hmm. patreon wherever you like so um yeah it, it, it's a big beast um <laughs> and it's been a long a long time making but yeah we're, we're pretty excited by it not a single thing in here that doesn't seem like ambitious and incredible indeed like what's the simplest <laughs> thing in the game what's the most kind of like what you see is what you get top level thing i feel like there's still four levels to it right yeah <laughs> um i guess so when you have a game that complex with that many different systems that have this much uh complexity that all touch each other and just have been in active development for several years at this point yeah. um how do you keep your development workforce uh like the people you work with like a sane and b communicating well because that's something you have to have very tight to work on something this complex like what have been your principles that have allowed you to create something like this uh, you, know, well, I, you know we 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 hire only insane people in the first place so that's that's easy you got step one number one criteria but the uh but no it, it, it's it's true and also we we um we were designed from the ground up as a fully remote studio um and so the 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 yeah i've been making games and running studios for 30 years now and, and mm -hmm. so this studio was i wanted to integrate a lot of the cutting edge principles that were um, available, and we still do that. So the number one way is we um, we hire senior colleagues who are domain experts, and then we have um, we basically give them 
everything they need to do their job. Um, so mm-hmm. that goes for equipment. It also goes for external partners who, you know, you may have somebody who's like, oh, I can direct these four domain experts in various parts of the world to add content to the game. Um, but the most important aspect that we we focus on is, is mind space for colleagues. So, so the whole studio is designed so that domain expert colleagues can walk in to work, which is usually at their home, although we, we've got office memberships and people can go into offices, and they can think about the deep problems around game development. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that as games get more and more complex, that need for artists, um, and, uh, as King says, we're all artists, right? We're all making uh, art here, is for you to really focus on it because it's very, very complex. Um, and so all of the studio is designed to feed into the individual talent that we're very grateful we've managed to attract to the studio because, you know, talented people, as, as you know, they're often quirky and they often have <laughs> very high demands of like, look, I don't want to worry about that. I want to worry about this particular mm-hmm. technical issue. Um, so so I think our, our organization um, was what, what we hope is our strength, and that is a very flat organization. We didn't have, um, and we still don't really have any management beyond myself um, and uh, the studio COO, who's uh, mm-hmm. Amanda. Um, and yeah, we just kept it lean, and we hired colleagues who were all grown-ups. We've all done this before. And we can just talk to each other on a day-to-day basis of like, hey, we've got this problem. How do we address it? Uh, and mm-hmm. that's helped us move pretty quickly. And we had to because, again, this, the game is its so big. And it, as you say, you know, you, you're kind enough to use the word ambitious. You know, maybe it's crazy. But but it, 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 it's, it, 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 it has helped us get past that because I couldn't, we couldn't have made this game using waterfall, you know, milestone planning. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just impossible. Mm-hmm. You, know, you need to use judgment. And so we we try and hire experts and lean into their judgment and then work together mm-hmm. as colleagues through problems. Um, but but the, the big problem is, I'll shut up in a moment. But the, the, no, the, no, the, you're, you're here to not shut up. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the big problem is, is we all love life sentence, right? So, so yeah. what happens is we talk about a problem um, and it can be any issue uh, for example, you know, how do we want to ma- uh, model weddings? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we we did that recently. Well, everybody's now got an opinion. <laughs> you know, like everybody's got an opinion. We're like, yeah. well, you know, when when I got married, I want this. This is how I want it to feel. I want it to be inclusive. I want this person, and and it's just a lot of fun when you mm-hmm. get to every single aspect of a life sim because everybody gets to play. Yeah, we all yeah. we all are experts on a life sim. Whereas if we were working on, I don't know, a game about hitting people on the head in a <laughs> fantasy world, right? We not all of us know that world, you know. Yeah. Um, but we all know how modern life works. I think when I first encountered Life by You, like that trailer, I think at Gamescom. I don't want don't fact check me. Um, I have bad memory there, but like it. Oh, it was, it was GDC. 
I don't know what month it is. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I work. Um, <laughs> but when you announced the game, like the one thing I felt is like, oh, this is like when I played life sim games as a kid, like this is what I was picturing as a kid. This is what it mm-hmm. felt like to play that kind of level of game too. So that level of care throughout your team, like definitely shows through in what's been shown so far, okay. hopefully in the product when you guys hit early access in a couple months, right? Uh, yeah, September might be terrifying yeah. thing to say i'm sorry for putting that into words but. i was actually just going to ask about production process because it sounds like you have all these incredible experts who you know I, as you're saying everybody does know a bit about modern life of course but you have these incredible experts working on these in-depth systems and i suppose i'm just curious um it just i guess producer mindset or i always think of being an editor-in-chief as like being a producer <laughs> i don't know why i don't know where it comes from but there it is um, just just sort of what the process is do you have particular tools that you use for those decisions or do you just kind of work it out until you do come to a consensus with with leads uh, it, it, it's pretty much the latter um so you know we're we're a very talky group um we we openly care about people's feelings you know i i, I think that's perfectly acceptable right i mean it's a guess <laughs> you, we want colleagues to get emotional about their work like we should care um so yeah we we have we have some heated debates in terms of process the 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 one um the one rule that we've had is no standing meeting is permanent um you know we, yeah. we we do our best to try and attack standing meetings when people are like i'm bored of this like why am i wasting my tuesday doing this <laughs> and so yeah. so that's kind of an anti-process but it's important because every recurring meeting that you have it's something that somebody is like oh okay i can't be programming i gotta attend that meeting and that it may be helpful but it, it, we just need to be aware. So our current processes, we have, um, the, in terms of formal process, every Monday we all post our stand-up notes of like, here's what we're working on this week. Um, everybody else but me posts what they worked on last week, but I'm super lazy, so I, I just say what I'm working <laughs> on this week. Um, then we have a short 15-minute 15 15-minute online call as a group, and we're basically like, hey, anybody have anything we want to have a meeting about today or later this week? Um, and then we, if not, we go into it. Um, we have a series of um, ad hoc meetings as required. Our Slack is very intense. Like we are, we're a Slack, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, really, really focused team. And so we work through that <laughs> all week. Um, we have, yeah, yeah we, we, we have a whole bunch of, um, uh, meetings with colleagues in uh, Sweden because we're, we're we're very proud to be part of Paradox Interactive. You know, we really like it as a company, and they they're like us, like they believe in in mods and player creativity and respecting mm-hmm. the customer. And, and so we, we really like uh, working with them. And then we just work through the week. Um, every Friday we play the game together on a group call. Yes. Usually beer or other drugs of choice may be involved at that <laughs> point. You know, who knows. Um, <laughs> And uh, then uh, every Sunday, I write up a weekly report and I summarize what has happened on the project. And I I play the game for at least 20 minutes and I make a video and then I share that to all of the team and all of HQ um, stakeholders um, and send out the latest build. And we've had 
the weekly build um, since day one. Like, oh, wow. as I mentioned, I, from the prototype that I, I first um, programmed, like I've, we've always sent out a weekly build mm -hmm. from the start of the project. Um, and that's been important because in my, in my view, that heartbeat of like, no, play the game. Like, you know, even if it's a 2D prototype, we play the game every week and we share that with our stakeholders because mm -hmm. we, you know, these things are so huge. It, you, you've always got to be respectful to the people who pony up, like, you know, a lot of money to build sure. this mm -hmm. game. And we want to make sure, like, hey, this is what we're working on. Like, we're not just <laughs> slacking over here. Like, there's your, there's your software. Yeah. <laughs> It gives your team a little bit of room to kind of celebrate themselves and what they're doing every week as well, I bet, and in addition to keeping the stakeholders happy. but It, it, it is, and and it, it was something I did because I, I never – so I hate red tape, and I absolutely hate typing out forms, so it's torture for me. But, I, I you know, the, the, we all work hard every week, and it felt appropriate. It was like, I'll, I'll, I'll do the busy work. You know, I'll do all of the paperwork because it's not – Again, we want colleagues, domain experts, to think about their craft, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's marketing, whether that's coding, whether that's design. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I do all of the paperwork uh, on a Sunday. I'm hoping I'm hoping to hand it off at some point. <laughs> that's the dream, right? Delegation. Delegation. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to jump in here and talk a little bit yeah. about like even just the production, knowing the fact that even. You talked about earlier um, that at GDC, we revealed our announce trailer and everything has been gameplay capture first. Nothing is faked. Um, yes, the years are, there are things that we're editing together into a video, but all the gameplay that you're seeing is what is currently in the current dev build. That in of itself does add specific pressure to the game, game team because like you said, we are months ahead. <laughs> we are months ahead from when we were supposed to release. And yet I'm coming in as marketing going, uh, we are doing a full gameplay only trailer at announced. Oh my God. You know what? <laughs> it was, it was, a, it was an uphill battle. It was a climb. I'm glad that we all survived it together, but I, I'm glad that we also made the right choice in making sure mm -hmm. that we showed gameplay first coming out of the gate because we want to treat our audience. And we know the player and gaming community are smart, intelligent people that can sniff out BS, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're holding ourselves accountable on a weekly to monthly basis to continue to up our game, <laughs> like literally to show <laughs> literally, <improvement, yep. laughs> right? So yeah. we're, we're being held accountable because we, people see us where we're started yeah. We have a few months out until we launch. And so that in of itself also adds pressure to the production cycle, which has its own, you know, positive pros and cons, right? Mm -hmm. But um, that I, I can say that it, from a marketing perspective, that process has been also very, very rewarding, especially knowing the sort of um, response that we've been getting from the player community with both yeah. the transparency and the vulnerability that we've been showing and inviting them along the production cycle. Right. Yeah. So that that has been also very rewarding from a marketing experience. Can you you've said you've been embedded into this process with every other element of development right away, which as we've sir, heard from other folks this week, you know, just during this that like, oh, my God, please, please do this. So if you want to talk just a little bit about what that experience has been like. Yeah. 
Um, I came into this um, on the later stage. I just got hired in like early this year, and then gotcha. we announced in March. So it was a very quick cycle. But I came in. It, it, it was um, actually last year. Then we sent him to Sweden for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't exactly. call the company. Get exactly. on the plane. The truth comes. Yeah. Out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was like I'm going to take a quick break. We we're like, oh no. <laughs> get on a plane and figure this out. We need to, to announce figure it, it all. Um, but I, I really came in, um, to the interview as I was uh, looking at this job, I was like, I, I want, I, I, I had, we, you know, we all know the history that we all came from in regards to our previous roles. And so I was like, well, is this going to be the same or how is this going to be different? And you said this already, uh, Alyssa, um, that you were just looking for a life sim game that you wanted to play. And when I saw, when at the end of my five-hour interview, Rod came on and started showing me the game, I was like, that is the game that I want to see. This is the game that I've been wanting to play as a life sim fan and as a, as a mm -hmm. life sim player. Outside of that, I think even coming in and talking about the process of bringing to life the game as part of a go-to-market strategy, we really needed to be honest about what we really wanted or didn't want when it comes to how the player out of the community is going to respond to our game. Because we know how we respond to marketing as game developers and, you know, um, editors of, of game publishing, all of that stuff. Yeah. And so we were really honest with each other. We had, we came together as both, you know, on the game development side as marketing side, I was like, here is our combined vision and where our North Star is. So I, I also need, to, I also as a marketer, in order to get the stuff done on the marketing side, I also need to fight for the game team, right? Like, I can't just be like, here's marketing, here's what marketing needs. And if I don't get that, then I'm not doing XYZ. I'm like, no, in order for me to get XYZ, I need to empower and enable the game team and give them enough time to get the stuff that they need done. So let's just be honest with each other about where our strategy, messaging strategy mm -hmm. is. And so it's been really collaborative. Um, even Rod talked about this. It's been a very flat organization. Like at any point, I will be talking to the UI designer. I will be talking with our create, like the, uh, the game's creative artists, all of that stuff. We are all in, in partnership with each other because we all have one goal in mind. I, I think in previous organizations, the marketing um, arm kind of is kind of seen as a strong arm for <laughs> the game team. Like, oh, here's marketing coming yeah. in asking for XYZ. And it hasn't been that because that has not been the culture that Rod and Amanda has built in the culture. Like we are all really marching towards one cohesive goal, which is to actually go to market and develop the most open world and moddable life sim game out there. And so yeah. that's in our marketing message. And that's also a part of the goal when it comes to um, the game development side of things. And we regard, you know, King and everybody else in the studio, we're all on the dev team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It yep. just so happens that you know King has got an expertise in marketing that he yeah. is using, and obviously, you know, world class expert in it. But but everybody gets a voice. And when we have design meetings, for example, they're always open design meetings and everybody can come in and everybody can be like, I want this. And everybody, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've got an opinionated team. So they, they take advantage <laughs> of this. <laughs> <laughs> this nice. as well, but it's a good right because you. Yeah. It's much better to have all of those views expressed. Yes. Um, because it, the the bigger the the pool of minds that we've got, particularly these smart minds contributing, mm -hmm. the better the end product is going to be. Um, and it, it's amazing how often key things 
come up, you know, from different colleagues. I'm like, oh wow, I I didn't realize that. You know, that's a that's a great thing to catch. So And you you brought this up and this might be a good segue into talking about early access. Um on the, my job the for me. This is great because I was gonna go into early <laughs> yeah, access. You're gonna go there? Perfect. <laughs> going, I see yeah. where you were going, Alyssa. <laughs> but I guess that's why even when I was coming on and defining the strategy with the team around our go-to-market plan and what early access looks like for us, it's like Yes, we can say that we're an early access game, but early access doesn't necessarily mean something to the player. Like mm-hmm. for usually early access, like, oh, it's an unfinished game. I'm like, no, we will be a really high quality game at early access. But to Rod's point, not only are we opening up the funnel internally to get feedback from the team to really understand you know, all the gaps as well as opportunities from a game development perspective, we also kind of want to open up this process to our players that are signing up with us at early access. We're inviting them into this development pool, right? And so to collect (laughs) feedback, yeah. Um, And so I'm really excited about that. Particularly because... You know, I I I, I don't want to over egg the point, but you know, we are we are a creative set of tools as well, and you know, our our customers and our players also we want to serve them during the early access mm-hmm. period and be like, well, how do you want these tools? Well, you know, we we've just built this game using them, or we yeah. are building this game <laughs> with you, you know. But but how would you like for your mods? And, and mm-hmm. you know, we 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 take that lens. To everything. So, for example, um, in the character creator, we we made sure early on that everything is tintable and you can change everything. Mm-hmm. The reason that we did that, and you could you can export mods, is well now it's very easy for someone to say, "I make lipsticks. Here's my lipstick collection. Here's my mm-hmm. cosmetics collection." Because we've made sure early on, like, oh yeah, you can export your things as a mod super easily if you want to share them with your friends or whatever it is you want to do. Um, so we're 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 actually really exciting to excited to to serve our customers who also want to help us improve the tools. Um, so. Very cool to kind of like see because the way that you describe your studio culture has that kind of collaborative. Like um, you get a lot of feedback from people who might not in a traditional structure might not be able to like weigh in on design or like how this tool is developing or UI or something like that. And you're almost expanding that out to your players as well by using the same tools you're using to develop the game are going to be your modding tools. So all these different perspectives, different use cases will be interacting with those, and then you get all that juicy feedback back to develop yeah. the tools <laughs> further. It's very very clever, yeah. very smart. Yeah. <laughs> Good community. I think um, I see a couple questions in chat here I do want to dig into, but I want to touch on early access, I guess, a little bit there. Because um, it's just, it's a cool proposition for this game. And it kind of lines up with your how you've already talked about community and having everyone be very involved and invested um, and have agency in the game, um, as well as like the marketing strategy looping into being very transparent, um, showing a little bit of jank at the beginning, because this is a stage that you're at when there's so many different complicated things. So it's going to be weird things that happen. Um, so I guess, can you talk a bit about your decision to go early access with this? Was that always from like day one prototype pitch, we want to do an early access game? Or how did you kind of arrive at that decision? Yeah, pretty much. It, 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 it was done with um, with collaboration with our colleagues at HQ. And we were, yeah, openness and respecting the audience's intelligence is how we always wanted to approach this game. And yeah, I did an interview years back before we even revealed what it was. And I was like, this is our approach. So we always wanted the customer on the inside of the tent. And, and the reason for that is we want to be open, which is you know, there may be people who are like, that's not for me, thanks. But thanks for showing it to me, warts and all. 
<laughs> not for me. And that, and that's totally cool. Like we we want that too. We we want people who 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 like this kind of approach um, uh, to go in uh, eyes wide open. But the uh, we we thought that early access was particularly helpful for this game because we're pushing in so many different directions. You know, like like as I as I mentioned uh, uh, before um, off, off camera, like we're doing a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a, it's a fully open yes. world. Like you can modify anything. You can, you can, yeah. you know, literally change the gameplay by clicking on object. There's a script in there. It's mm -hmm. you can do a lot, and the the chances of us on our own with our own internal test department coming up with the full range of user generated content in a full creative sandbox is pretty much zero, right? So, <laughs> so it was much better for us to be say, hey. We're going into early access. Yeah, here here's an appropriate price for joining this early, mm -hmm. and we're going to walk work to our full AAA release together with you. And we're, we're grateful for anybody who wants to join us in um, in early access. And you know, my hope is that there's a there's a lot of people out there who are like, help, yeah, yeah, I want to play with the toys now. Right. Um, but if there yeah. are some who want to wait, me like, but, no, I'm like for the full polish, <laughs> yeah. it's fun, right? And also to add on to that, and to borrow from some of my colleagues, and this is a hat tip to both Hannah and Gabriel, uh, both senior game designers on the team, uh, in sitting in interviews, even at GDC this year, hearing the ways that they talk about the game, and even Rob, the way that you talk about the game as well. Life is just such an expansive category that as much as we as a team have our own vision of what we can do with a life simulator, we also need to incorporate other people's viewpoints, right? And yeah. other people's viewpoints are our players' viewpoints. Those who are going to come in at early access telling us what they want from this life simulation game that is also a creative platform. And so we are essentially, you know, going back to the ethos of the studio. And as you can see, we're, you know, all, also the ways that we're talking about the cre creator tools, the editor tools are the same tools that we're using, the design process. We want to open that up <laughs> to the players at yeah. early access to feel that, to feel feedback from them so we can build this life sim game together because it's just too huge for just one studio to tackle. We want to tackle it together with our community. Um, so Rose great. out of chat wants to know with a game that has as much focus of real uh, as much of a focus on realism like this. Um, you mentioned everyone has their own experience of what that looks like. How do those mm -hmm. different experiences factor into the development process? Is there a greater focus on matching what life is really like, or are there departures from that for the sake of game the game and gameplay? Great question. Um, so when it comes to making a life simulator, you what we tend to do is we talk about how do each of us like to play and what we like to do um and that is that's the advocacy perspective and then all of us have things where like i don't want to see this in this game because that is not fun emergently for me to appear in the game so so we make a big distinction between things that players can make happen on their own in their private single player game that's offline with no telemetry, which is what that game is, versus things that will emergently happen based off our decisions. And so, you know, early on, I was the person who made the decision there's going to be no violence in this game. Like, I, you know, we've already got sex, we've already got nudity. Like, <laughs> come on, you got to cut me a break. Like, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not putting everything, <laughs> everything in there. I, and, and, you know, we're a game that also supports, um, uh, 
uh, kids, uh, like you know, kid agents plus elder agents. And yet, you know, the last thing I wanted to see is Granny getting hit by the car, right? Like, you know, it's like there are plenty of games out there that can do that. We're not one of them. So, you know, if, but if if you want a romance game or you want, you know, to play a deviant lifestyle like a lot of Sims players do, we're we're your people. Like we we're we're all in with you, but it's mainly by subtraction. Um, and so, you know, there, there are many things that we've decided. Yeah, we don't want to do that. We'll let the the community decide that, and we're going to pick what we think is things that we like. Um, and so, I won't give you a specific of things that we didn't do. Well, I'll, I'll give you one because um, it, it's kind of harmless, but you know. I didn't like the idea of having an alcoholic trait, even though we've got alcohol. I was like, eh, there's so many families impacted by this. I'm just not interested. So that's not in the game. Players can mod that if they want, but that's that's an example of the kind of thing where I'm like, eh, do, do you really want to see that? Like in a game that you just buy. So those, yeah. those are kind of the examples. And then in terms of where the realism versus the fun is, I can give you another example, which is we've got a full crafting editor. So you can make, right now, cooking is our number one use of it, but you can make your entire own crafting systems. It, clearly, that's not that realistic, <laughs> but it's fun as hell. Come on. Like, you know, you, you got to have it. So, so this, we, I, I can, I can tell you about stuff that's in the game. I, I have made a promise to the whole team. I will not promise. I will not talk about things we haven't done yet. So I'll tell you what. <laughs> but it's only fair, right? It's like, come on, we got enough that is done. So last week, um, uh, we spent time working on um, our spawnables and our archaeology system. Mm-hmm. So you can go out into the world and you can find archaeological uh, goods. And we, uh, uh, designer Willem is working on that. Hey, Willem, uh, great job. Um, and that that is. That's just pure fun. So, so mm-hmm. in terms of that balance of realism, we want you to be able to play. We want you to be able to tell stories. We want you to be able to make your family, really. Like you know, whoever you are in the world, you should be able to make your family and your community because you can mm-hmm. also define the population of the town based off age, skin tone, sexual orientation, all of these factors. And you're like, no, my world looks like this. Um, mm-hmm. This is how I want my world to behave. And so we have that. I can tell plausible stories, but then when you see things like crafting systems and collecting collectible systems, like they're just fun. So we put those in. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I love collectible systems. So I've been out there yeah. placing spawners that spawn. We've got a hundred different, you know, all the places to hide them then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. so good. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so, and you can, you can add more by the way, but we, yeah, we've got a hundred seashells that I've been placing up on the beach and here's what's great about the system. I, I'll, Cause it, it exists. So I could talk about it. Is you, <laughs> like that's your stand you up to, update for the week. Is, well, I placed a hundred seashells yeah, this week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you get to place the area and you also get to place the spawn rates oh. and it can be by time or recurring. So mm-hmm. you, you can either say, Oh yeah. Like every hour in this area, there are going to be there's going to be this seashell trove. Yeah, and when a new one spawns, the old one disappears. You can do that, or you can say no. I want it to be hundreds and hundreds, and they build and build. So you get this like constant build up of seashells, or you can say this seashell spawns only on the full moon of the cherry blossom harvest <laughs> on a particular day of a month. There, 
And so yeah. you can have all of these rares and collectibles, which can lead into the crafting system, because then we can say, and I haven't done it yet, so I won't talk about it, but I'll, I'll go to archaeology. You can <laughs> pick all of these different things from the archaeology, and then mm. you can combine them, and you can use the components to craft things such as research papers, for example, with, the- or you can use it to craft you know, um, objects later on. So, yeah, it, it's it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's a great segue into an audience wanna... question, actually, too. Okay. You can, sorry, you can say your thing. I just want to get that into. No, no. <laughs> I also um, wanted to also do a hat tip um, to our art director as well. We recently had a dev stream where we kind of talked about the balance between presenting real life and the art style of mm-hmm. our game. Yeah. Um, and so the ethos is, you know, we are building a sandbox and to allow... All the, to allow all our players the creative freedom to tell the stories, build the things that they want, and just get out of their way. And the same is actually the, in the decision of the art style of the game itself. We didn't want the art style to be so distinctive that, like, leaning too cartoony or too one artsy one way or another. We needed something that was still stylized but generic enough that allowed the players to really define the look of the game once they start building the world themselves, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. even coming up, but also the balance, even if you're not a builder, if, you, if you're not a storyteller or a character builder, once you land inside the game, there's still enough of a distinctive tone to our game that allows you to be interested. So that's yeah. also the push and pull of it all, right? Where how do we make something that is sandbox, that is styli- stylistically generic enough that allows you to imprint your own creativity into the game without letting all art style define what is happening <laughs> but mm-hmm. also on the flip side how do we also introduce an art style if you're not a modder not a builder that as you come into the game and you're starting from ground zero there's still something interesting enough for you to bite on right yeah. so that is the push and pull factor of that sort of question of you know developing for real life and all of this stuff versus defining the brand and the game stuff and that's something that you know on the marketing side that we always have a push and pull on and that's something that's still an ongoing conversation as well um mm-hmm. but yeah we're I'm really proud of what the work has the team has done to sort of play that balancing act i'm going to take a detour away from the segue segue i want to do earlier uh to just kind of mention we talked a little bit earlier i think maybe it was pre-call as well about um diversity was something you guys considered like at the very base level of this making sure there's player expression at any level especially when it comes to characters um that seems to be related to what you were just talking about do you want to kind of explain the studio approach for that and how you guys are embodying that in life by you yeah i'll take that first i talked a little bit on the up top about how life by you is a life sim game but it's also a creative platform and you know be it a creative platform we want to allow the players the creativity to create all that life has to offer we talked about life being such an expansive topic and so because of the fact that that is we want it to be representative of real life inclusivity is already embedded into the design ethos of the game from day one right? You cannot have creative freedom. You cannot have talk about all that life has to offer or even our statement of making the most open, amoddable game that is a life sim game that's out there to our players. To not include inclusivity into the ways that we're thinking about game development would be something that we would be doing wrong. And so that was always something that was already embedded into day one. Mm -hmm. And then also we talked a little bit about also early access, right? And so that's also the reason why we want to introduce different voices that are outside of our team from the player community, from those of us, both of us as well as those of the players that are with the game from day one. Let's work on building this game together so we can incorporate your viewpoints 
as well as the ways that you see life playing out in this life sim game, in this creative platform. And we think that is a great opportunity at early access to sort of get the feedback from the community, to get wish lists, like to get wish and wants and desires from our community. But also on the flip side, we're also looking at working with like expert, like contact experts across different sort of disciplines and topics as it relates to sort of LGBT queer uh, representation, as it relates to BIPOC representation. Um, how does that really come to life in the game as well on our marketing because as much as we have positive intent in doing all of this and doing the things well we also need mm -hmm. to make sure that we're doing this also correctly and with knowledge experts and so more to come in the coming weeks and months as we are rolling out more of our campaign as as well as we had into early access but again um inclusivity as well as the things that we are doing to really bring that to life in both the in-game work as well as in the marketing work has been really important to us from day one say so I definitely noticed uh, just as a queer person, you know, seeing a, a little bit of, of queer representation right there in the in the original trailer. So I'm always I'm always going to sit up and take notice personally. So that's always. Yeah. You're not alone. In, uh, you're not alone. You're not I'm not alone. alone. I, I like to hear that. <laughs> that makes me yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah, we, we can. And, and I, I'll, yeah. I'll also um, double down on what King said it is yeah. it, it was fundamental. It was absolutely awesome. fundamental. Yeah. And, and, you know, from day one, um, yeah, for example, Ted, um, another one of our senior engineers who's a genius, um, when he did conversation and he started um, the avatar creation day one, he was like, we need non-binary, we need pronouns, I need the conversation system to be able to take your gender and mm -hmm. you know, however you want to be addressed. And it matters, right? And and yeah. we we also, from day one, really cared about not having um not being heavy-handed with sexual orientation you know like sure. I, you know, we we live we live in a, a in a time where i think there's unprecedented freedom but there's also unprecedented you know forces who are, are demonizing folks and we we wanted to make sure that you know we we are definitely a pro feminist pro gay game like you know that's that's who we are and we're very yeah. very proud of it and we want everybody to be able to come into our game and and say, oh, thank you. Like there's somebody who actually respects us. Um, so you know, we love our audience. And I'll also bring up an anecdote of how this has affected, you know, production. Um, sure. You know, you brought up pronouns in the UI. One of our consultants came back as they were looking at UI because we had a word that says sexual preference, right? There's sexual preference is a term that's used a lot across the board. But also we were educated using the word preference means that there are people who are not preferred, right? If you're using the word sexual preference, that is continuing to reinforce the fact that there are undesirable genders or sexuality or stuff like that. And so even though I was like, oh, wow, I never thought about it in that way. And so like, well, it's now like, just use the word sexuality, just use the word attraction, just use the word gender, like just call it for what it is. Don't, yeah. you don't need to over explain right or sure. even you and be, and be educated on things that are actually perpetuating a negative stereotype of what sexuality is and so now we're not using the word sexual preference in our ui we're using sexuality we're using attraction all of that stuff so we're learning along the way and so uh, un unless we actually have this consultant we wouldn't have had that knowledge right and so yeah. that's actually how we're like you know an example of how we are putting that inclusivity uh, perspective as well as ethos into practice. That's awesome. Really admirable. That's great to see. Love that. Yeah. Love to hear it. Love to <laughs> yeah. <see> it. <laughs>
I did want to ask an audience question here. Um, I have, have it right here on my, my little tablet. Um, uh, not, not related specifically uh, to, to queerness or inclusivity, but more just in terms of overall content and overall, you know, sort of adding things into the game. And they're asking, with a game this open-ended, how do you know where to stop adding new things? Asking because I have a hard enough time with scope creep in much more limited projects. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question. I, I'll, I'll give you the honest answer. Is we we use that judgment, but I, sure. but it, it, it's crazy. Like you know, I, I think if you looked at if you looked at if you asked most of the game team, they'd be like, yeah, the the the, the scope is insane. Um, but but <laughs> I but the but the the good thing is is because we're all trusting each other. Most people will say, oh, the scope of my part is okay. Like it's huge, but it's okay. And I think we all trust each other. Like, yeah, it's okay to push the limits um, because when you, when you, you know, the scope is at the center of what most of us do who are in any kind of game, you know, production role at all. It, it's all about scope. And you don't want on one hand to ship or to, or to have a product that has is underfeatured, that is empty because what's the point, right? It's just going to fail. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy it because they're like, well, that's right. And you don't want to overscope so that your your cost of developing the product means that by the end of it, you cannot make your money back. So you're kind of doomed, right? And and, and so we, 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 we tread that line. But our, our usual answer is, well, if we have something that's going to expand the scope, can we turn it into a tool to give to the players? Because the, the worst kind of scope for us is a one-off hard-coded solution because then they they add up and add up. But if you're building systems that is like, for example, like the crafting system, like yeah, that supports gardening, that supports cooking, and it will support these other um, crafting systems that we're bringing online and that hopefully players will, will work. You know, we didn't create just a cooking system. Right, and so that yes, it's big scope, but because it's a because it's a crafting system, and we can build upon it. Um, hopefully, it helps. And, and and also, we knew we were designing an emergent game simulation from day one. And so, when you're designing for emergence, actually, the number of little hooks that create bugs later on in a in a fixed expert system, they're actually to your advantage because you want that. You're like, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't yeah. expect that to happen. <laughs> it's like great, that's <laughs> wonderful. And you know what? If 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 somehow it looks weird, well, you can almost hard code quash it later. But you know, go easy on it because often that can be magic and it can be yeah. really amazing. Um, so so that that was our, our approach to scope. Um, but really, the short answer is we used our judgment um, because we've hired a bunch of folks who've done it before. Um, so. <laughs> uh, and, we're, and we're all crazy ambitious. So yeah, <laughs> it's a good like it's a good balance. Yeah, <laughs> kind of come back to just hire capable people and then trust them to be good at what they're good at. Like right. goes a long way. Right. Yeah, and and people who love this audience. Mm -hmm. And, and, and yeah. you know, I I would say that I think this is good advice to every colleague working on any game. It is your your dev team should love this kind of game. Yeah. And, and if they mm -hmm. don't, well. You know, you know what you're going to get, right? It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and so that would be my number one piece of advice: is Do you love it? You know, like if, if not, well, it, it probably isn't a good fit because it's just not going to work mm -hmm. out. So. Yeah. 
this is me. I'm looking at the clock. We have 13 minutes left, but I still have like 20 questions I want to ask. And that's not fair. <laughs> um, I think I want to pivot over to talk a little bit more about systems and design and all that good nitty gritty stuff. Um, so I'm going to ask my big, like one I have at the top here and then Daniel, I'll step back to let you dig through that a bit. Cause I know that's your area of expertise as well. Um, so one thing as someone who grew up with like life sim games and my sister also did as well, we were very different kinds of players. I, I talked about this a bit before, but like she was always a builder and I'm very like drama storylines, all of that. So we're opposite ends of the spectrum, uh, with any life sim game, especially one that has this close of a focus on the people in the world, uh, you're designing for so many different kinds of players. Um, so how do you tackle making a game that has like five different types of people, if not more, uh, who all might interact with different systems, but never do the same thing? Like, how do you make your builders happy, your drama people happy, you're just kind of like narrative people happy and still have a cohesive experience? Yeah, we so we think about them every day and, and we do we look at each constituency. Um, builders, I'm glad you mentioned, were extremely important to us day one. Uh, one of our sen senior engineers, Amanda, she programmed uh, most of our build tool and she's been focused mm -hmm. on it uh, for years. And it's amazing. So everything that you see in the world is built by our build tool. So we don't have any fake you know, charade. You can go into it, you can alter it. You, they're all built uh, using the tool that comes with it. So um, cool. <laughs> and, and, and so we, we, we wanted everybody who's really working on a particular feature plays the game that way. And many of us play the game in, in many different ways. Mm -hmm. But but really, it, it's having folks on the team who are stakeholders who you can look at and say, yes, you know, they, they well, I, I am representing this community of players. Um, and life sim players are so diverse and so smart. And, and you, you, you have to also trust life sim players to tell mm -hmm. you. And, you know, we, we also look at what popular mods there are. So we get a good gauge of, of people's enthusiasm. Um, but that, that's how we balance it. And it, it's, it's basically, um, uh, it's basically respecting, uh, respecting the audience's profile. Yeah. So I think the thing I'm really interested in, because it can be tricky, and I've played like other like Paradox Sim games, um, uh, Crusader Kings, uh, very, very great, City Skylines, very great, but they're complex games. And Life by Use also does not shy away from complexity, as you guys have made very clear throughout this. Right. Um, but when you have a game with compl uh, complex systems in it, uh, this kind of like level of depth anywhere that you can interact with, it can be difficult to introduce that to players, especially if they might be newer to the genre. So how do you kind of balance or how are you thinking about balancing accessibility with complexity uh, without kind of cutting short on either? Um, so we, we um, our, um, our uh, uh, lead uh, UX, Sarah, um, so she really focuses on, for example, the minimum number of clicks to be starting a game from scratch. So so the, the, the idea is always we, we want, the depth and the complexity, because again, this audience gets it. Um, but we also know that most of the time you'll just want to do it. <laughs> it's like, I, no, I, I'm new to the game. I, I want to go to work now. And so we, we, we try to put in shortcuts to enable that. And we try to make our UX and our flow natural. So you're, pretty quickly figure out, oh, that's how I should do it. Um, so a good example is um, making your way around the town. So we've got a big open world with lots and lots of locations. You can change the open world, but by default, we've got a hu uh, huge open world with a neighborhood. Well, we've got a map that you can look at. 
And so you can get to see all the houses. You can click on them and then you'll drive there or you can pick up your phone. And we've got like a little sat nav in there and you like select it and then you'll automatically drive or you can just get in your car and drive manually uh, with your uh, mouse and keyboard if you want to do direct control. So, so we're trying to give players multiple ways to do things mm-hmm. without the UX getting or the um, or the complexity getting in the way. It's really there if you want to dig. Um, now, mm-hmm. the, the, the downside of that is you can often miss a lot of complexity. Right. So, so, you know, we, we've got like modern life, a lot of what you will want to do is through electronic devices like a computer or a, a phone. So uh, unless you know that you can be like, I don't know, where do I change jobs? Like, how do I get a job? Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, well, we've got, we've got a job app on the phone. That's, that's how you do it. You know, you, you, you get to do it. So, so there are pushes and pulls, but we try and make as much of it as um diegetically like in in game like as easy to understand as possible and the the the, the example i i've i've used from uh, day one um is we have the advantage that all of the the players are on our side so everybody's mm-hmm. in on the gag like we're not trying to fool anybody this is a the hollow deck where right? everybody knows yeah. it's a life sim game that you're playing on your pc but also everybody is an expert on our subject matter. So if we were selling this game to Martians, you know, imagine describing something like water. Yeah. Like, I mean, the tutorial would last hours, right? It'd be like, well, you need to drink this stuff. You also expel it. Oh, you also need to bathe in it. Um, but you can't drink what you've expelled and you definitely shouldn't be bathing in. Yeah, you know, like it, it just gets, yeah. it's mind blowing, right? We're, we're, yeah. we're like, yeah, it's a bathroom and a tap. We get it. <laughs> it's it's yeah. not hard. So we, we, we also try and lean into that. What would you expect to happen and mm-hmm. try and reinforce that? So, a lot of touch points for knowledge that people already have that they may not realize uh, you're tricking them into knowing game mechanics just through uh, yeah. washing their hands. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. On game mechanics, if I could ask a very brief question. Um, Rod, I know you still participate in game jams, which I find really cool and, and really exciting. And I'm just oh, curious you. if some of your jam games or, or some of your own sort of personal work ever, um, if it's sort of something like, oh, I was noodling on this, I was exploring this mechanic, or I was exploring something in my own, in, in smaller projects, if that translates into a project like this if you ever kind of if that helps you think about design problems or, or something like that yeah it does for sure oh, cool. yeah uh, um and yeah i i never wanted to uh, I've, I've never wanted to lose a hands-on skills of the craft um so awesome. yeah thank you I, I was in ludum dare a couple of months back and yeah was, actually it, i i checked that fun. out i thought it was really cool so <laughs> thank you, thank <laughs> yeah you. Uh, i i have some regrets but hey it was 48 hours and i was sick <laughs> So I don't know what I was thinking. Sure. It was a fever dream. I'm like, sure. What's game was... development without a few regrets too, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, 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 I think for me, it's important. And other people may be entirely different. You know, there's no rules in R, right? Uh, but yeah. for me, I like to make complete creative works by myself um, because I feel it makes me better when I work with colleagues in a yeah. professional group environment. It's it's also freer. Right? I can do whatever I want. I can make a game about whatever I want, and I do. You know, my, my, my wife's still eternally grateful for me making a game about our marriage. You know, she 
thanks me every day. Um, but it's, <laughs> but, it, it's, but it's fun, right? You get to express yeah. yourself and you get to learn your craft. Um, and, and I think that, um, so yeah, for, for me, it, it's part of keeping my skills sharp. And, and I also want, you know, folks around the studio when I am talking about a problem or, or, you know, heaven forbid, giving direction, like I, I want them to be able to look at me and, and, and say, okay, well, he's not a completely clueless exec, right? He kind of understands this a little bit. So, so that, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of my approach, but, but thank you. Thank you. Uh, I guess I can segue that into a question for King then. We talked a little bit ahead of time that you have some, like, for working on a PC-centric game right now, you have a bit of a different background with mobile as well. Uh, so do you want to yeah. talk a bit about how you've been able to kind of, like, bring these outside experiences or something that may not be one-to-one with what you're working on and use those to build out your viewpoint and how you're interacting with the game you're working on now? Yeah. With the three uh, minutes we have left. Bringing... Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, all good. I'll make this quick. Um, and so we, during our pre-call, uh, I had shared a bit about um, my onboarding and interview experience with both Rod and Amanda, who is our CEO at Paradox Tectonic. And uh, Amanda, having worked uh, herself as well as Rod across both PC, console, and mobile sort of business lines, they're like, hey, we have a really tight deadline to sort of get stuff done in the next year, right? And so I was brought in at the tail end of next year with the expectation of announcing the game in March and then launching early access in September. And so that's a really tight deadline for someone who's just starting in December. Um, So uh, as much as they were looking for somebody who had expertise in the PC and console realm, which usually has very long tails, they needed someone who can come in and start like chewing off work um, from the jump. And so they were looking for somebody that also had mobile experience as well that can work on a mobile timeline. Um, And as you know, mobile moves very fast. (laughs) Um, And so I was able to sort of merge both of these expertise because I've I've had experience working at previous organizations that work on the PC console side, as well as on the game development side on mobile. And so this has Mm -hmm. been such a marriage of my skill set across my sort of resume to sort of bring in both my experience as a marketer on the life sim side, but also also product marketer and product manager uh, from a mobile side to really get work done in a concentrated and speedy way. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's, it's, it's been a pleasure to sort of see it come to life and also seeing that work come to life to be able to give recognition and celebrate the work that this team is doing to bring this game to market. Yeah. I think there's probably a whole other podcast we could do on talking about the uh, how mobile development and PC development pipelines are maybe getting a little bit closer uh, nowadays. Yeah. But that's not a yes. two-minute conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to reinforce what what, yeah. what King said is that you know we're we're a Windows PC you know we hope AAA game, um, yeah. but we've we've all got a very diverse background in terms mm-hmm. of the platforms we've had success on. And yeah, you know, again, I would encourage any colleagues who have only done AAA PC or console, there's a lot to be learned from mobile um, in terms of game development, in terms of marketing speed. Um, th- there's a lot of things not to be learned, like monetization practices, which yeah. I, you know I, 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 I don't particularly think are helpful. But but we we've really tried to take the best practices that we've seen across you know many many different platforms, um, and you know. Mo- mo- mobile development, th- there's a lot to learn from there and a lot to respect, mm-hmm. um, as it, you know, AAA and console as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, good to not silo your knowledge, though. It's a good kind of thing. Anyone can take knowledge from that, I think. Um, okay, last minute. I got to do the wrap up and I got to let you promote your things. Uh, so we are Kindle Over Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you so much to both Rod and King today for having a conversation that went by way too fast. Uh, but I appreciate every bit of it. Um, you can find us online at on Spotify, Game Developer Podcast. Uh, we are also on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well. Uh, we have a whole website where we publish our long-form articles on video game content. You should check that out as well. Uh, just really in-depth stuff there. And then I will pass over to both of you as well by saying, uh, one, you should probably wishlist uh, Life by You on Steam um, or wherever you your preferred platform of choice is for you guys. And I guess if anyone wants to learn more about the game, learn more about you guys, where should they find you? Yeah, you can find us at lifebyu.com. And we also have a YouTube channel, um, which is uh, youtube.com slash lifebyu. We release weekly and monthly contents up there. And so we're really excited uh, for this game to be out this September. You can find me at the same place. And I, I, you, I, you, you missed out. You can pre-order it on Epic and you get a cute scooter yes. and a whole bunch of uh, customizable uh, stuff as well. There you yes. go. Pre- Pre-order is now available on Epic with the Life Begins pack that comes with a Jumpstart fashion pack, um, the scooter, as well as some core as well. So thanks. I already said at the top that Rod can do my marketing job. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all hands on deck. That's what matters. But yeah. thank you so much to everyone for joining us. And we're going to sign off here. Thanks. <laughs>